Good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. Welcome to you here in church. Welcome to anybody who's joining us online. You're very welcome. Ash Wednesday begins 40 days of preparation and self-examination in the period of Lent. As we move towards the cross and as we move towards the empty grave. On Ash Wednesday, we are like Isaiah, seeing who we are in the lights of God's majesty. We are mortal, frail, and dependent on the grace of God. We examine ourselves, allowing God's holy light to reveal our sin, leading us to come in repentance before God. We can be honest about our frailty, about the temptations and the weaknesses we face in this life. Ash Wednesday is also about recognising the God who saves us from sin and death. Jesus stared death in the face and won. So with Christ Jesus, we too can stare death in the face and enter into the fullness of life that will not end when our mortal bodies die. Joel chapter 2, verses 12 and 13 say this. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. The colic for Ash Wednesday. Let's pray. Holy God, our lives are laid open before you. Rescue us from the chaos of sin, and through the death of your Son, bring us healing and make us whole. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. So, would you like to stand as we sing? two songs, beginning with Jesus Christ, I think about your sacrifice. Let's stand and sing together.
do be seated. Now we're going to have a responsive reading from Psalm 51 or using Psalm 51. And uh, there will be some responses that yeah, please do join in with. Uh, and we start with, have mercy on me, O God. In fact, the response pretty much all the way through is, have mercy on me, O God. And so we say together, have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Have mercy on me, O God. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Have mercy on me, O God. Surely I was sinful at birth, yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in the secret place. Have mercy on me, O God. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Have mercy on me, O God. Create in me a pure heart, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Have mercy on me, O God. I will teach transgressors your ways, so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You are my saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Have mercy on me, O God. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Have mercy on me, O God. My sacrifice is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you will not despise. And so we're going to stand and sing again the lovely song, Jesus, lover of my soul. Do stand for sing.
Father, we surrender to your ways and we submit to you. And so, Lord, as we hear your word, and as we hear your word preached from Ezra, by Ezra, we pray that our hearts will be open to hear and receive and to obey. In your name. Amen. Joyce is going to read our reading in the nurse and will be speaking to us. The reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 58, verses 1 to 12, and it can be found on page 746 in the Church Bibles. Shout it aloud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near him, them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it not for bowing one's head? like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, Here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone, and to those at home online as well. So tonight we gather together to mark the start of Lent. And some of us will have tossed pancakes, maybe successfully yesterday, or not. Some of us will have bought them from Sainsbury's, like me. <laughs> and some of us may even have decided to give up something for Lent. It seems to me, wandering around the supermarket yesterday, 
that every other Christian and religious festival or pagan festivals, supermarkets make the most of. And although the stores were full of pancakes and lemons and chocolate sauce, we didn't see very much of Lent in the supermarket. All there were were Easter eggs and hot cross buns on the shelves. Lent is totally ignored. There's no encouragement from our supermarkets or the wider world to spend time in reflection or abstinence. But as I read again this week, this passage from Isaiah, and heard them read again just now by Joyce, my mind went to the pictures and news reports from Ukraine and Turkey and Syria, to name just three of the many countries in crisis at this time. And not to forget the cost of living crisis in our own country, where record numbers are using food banks, or sitting in cold houses for fear of using power to heat their homes. And yet, there are always those whose mindset in these situations is to pursue their own ambition or lust for more wealth and power. I'm reminded of what C.S. Lewis said, the descent to hell is easy. And those who begin by worshipping power soon worship evil. A continuing reminder, perhaps, that quote from C.S. Lewis, that there are darker forces at work. There's greed, misuse of power, ambition and selfishness run riot around our world and around our country. Over the years, I think this is probably the fourth or fifth time I've preached on this passage during Lent, and sadly the news doesn't change. Each year there have been reports of war or famine or natural disasters, or reports of the lust for power filling our television screens, and this year is no different. So although I try to come fresh each time to what I say, I'm aware that some of my thoughts you will have heard already. We don't, we don't know when Isaiah wrote these words exactly or to what he was referring, but it seems that yet again the people were failing to give God a central place in their lives. Yet again they were treading that well-worn pathway of apostasy followed by repentance and restoration. Here they are again being called by God back to restoration, to righteousness, to relationship with him. But this we do know, that the message of Isaiah and its parallel passage in Joel, which was referred to earlier, is the same then as for now. That humanity's only hope, our only hope, is to turn to God. Traditionally, Lent was a time of preparation for those who were going to be baptised at Easter. And although the word Lent is not used in the Bible, we read during apostolic times of a time of preparation, a period of preparation. But for those who are history buffs, it wasn't until the Council of Nicaea in 325 AD that Lent was recognised in the Christian calendar. And even then, it's not been a fixed date or time. It's varied over the centuries. And so tonight, we mark the start of our Lent. Forty days plus six Sundays to hear the call of renewal, of restoration. A call of recommitment to the purposes of God in our lives. Thomas Merton said, it's a time to stop skimming over the surface of the depths of our own lives. And I'll add a bit to that. It's a time to go deeper. Signing the cross in ashes is a sign of repentance and purification. And it represents how our bodies turn to dust after death. And although not mentioned in the Bible, many Christians find the symbolic act a discipline 
and its observance helpful. The word Lent comes from an old English word, Lenten, which means spring, a time of rebirth and growth, of renewed hope. And so we say that our observance of Lent is a time of renewed commitment, a springtime, a time of growth in our Christian journey, a spiritual spring. And it is spring at the moment, isn't it? The snowdrops on the verges and daffodils are blooming, days are lengthening, and the sun is getting higher in the sky. But how can these scriptures from Joel and Isaiah inform our journey as a spiritual spring? They're telling us that it is our worship, our living a life of faith, is not about things external, not about putting on a show, not about being seen to do the right thing. It's not about power or self-righteousness. It's not living in pursuit of selfish desires. Lent is not about us. It's about God. Luther wrote that sin is to be curved in on the self, to be self-absorbed, and either unable or unwilling to see the needs of others, or to be concerned about the needs of others, to be self-centered and selfish. How much does that definition of sin define what we see on the news and in the world around us? Doesn't that define what we read in Isaiah 58? You do as you please, says Isaiah. You promote quarrel and strife, striking each other with wicked fists, of people who care little for the hungry or oppressed, the homeless, the dispossessed, of people who sinned while they purported to worship. I wonder what Jesus' reaction would be. We have our answer in the Gospels, don't we? He fed the hungry. He welcomed the stranger. He welcomed the despised and the oppressed and the rejected. He called to account those for whom the practice of religion was about outward appearances rather than an inner journey of faith. Another scripture that we hear quite often during Lent is from Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Or hear the words from Luke 6, which I've taken from the message. You don't get wormy apples off a healthy tree, nor good apples, apples off a diseased tree. The health of the apple tells the health of the tree. You must begin with your own life-giving lives. It's who you are, not what you say and do that counts. Your true being brims over into true words and deeds. And there's that other saying, isn't there? By their fruit, you will know them. As I read these words, I'm challenged. I know there are times when I fall so far short. These words from Matthew and from Luke search me and highlight my shortcomings. But they also tell me that change comes not from striving or being seen to do the right thing or supporting the right causes for appearance's sake. Change comes from a change of heart, from seeking first his kingdom the godly kingdom. It comes from the movement of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God poured into my life. There's a quote that speaks to me particularly during Lent. And I offer no apologies for having quoted it before. You might recognise it. It's from Anselm, Archbishop of Canterbury at the turn of the 12th century, and he said, Escape from your everyday business for a short while. Hide for a moment from your restless thoughts. 
break off from your cares and troubles and be less concerned about your tasks and labours. Make a little time for God and rest a while in him. Enter into your mind's inner chambers. Shut out everything but God and whatever helps you to seek him. Shut out everything but God and whatever helps you to seek him. Focus on that. And when you have shut the door, look for him. Speak now to God and say with your whole heart, I seek your face, Lord. It's you I desire. Speak now to God and say with your whole heart, I seek your face, your face, Lord, I desire. If that is our genuine prayer before God, then he will answer. And he will highlight those things and those areas in our lives that aren't godly. And instead, he will pour the Holy Spirit into us and give us grace to change. Give us grace that our hearts will change and our attitudes will change. And this, I think, is the challenge from both Isaiah and Joel and the Gospels. And the challenge that our Lord is laying before us again this Lent. That we seek him with all of our heart. Because then we will understand what moves God's heart. To draw so close to God that we hear his call to ministry, hear the beat of his heart for those around us. Be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. We will hear his heart as we pray for our world, our family, our friends. We will hear his call to serve those around us. So surely our prayer this Lent must be, I seek your face, your face, Lord, I desire. Amen. Thank you very much, Ursula. We're going to join in now with uh, some more praying and repenting. And again, there'll be some responses uh, on the screen <coughs> to join in with. Bearing in mind all that we've just heard. And so let us now call to mind our sin and the infinite mercy of God. God our Father, have mercy on us. God the Son, have mercy on us. God the Holy Spirit, have mercy on us. Trinity of love, have mercy on us. Most merciful God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we confess that we have sinned in thought, word, and deed. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. Lord, have mercy. We have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. Accept our repentance, Lord, for all false judgments, for uncharitable thoughts towards our neighbours, and for our prejudice and contempt towards those who differ from us. Accept our repentance, Lord, for our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. 
Accept our repentance, Lord. Restore us, good Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Favorably hear us, for your mercy is great. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation, that we may show your glory in the world. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord, bring us with all your saints to the joy of his resurrection. So we say together, we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbours as ourselves. In your mercy, forgive what we have been. Help us to amend what we are and direct what we shall be, that we may do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with you, our God. Amen.
hear this absolution. <clears throat> Friends, the promises of God are true. In Jesus Christ we are forgiven. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. In the name of Jesus Christ you are forgiven. Live now as new people, free to love God and neighbour. And so we come to share the peace with each other. Bearing in mind, if you want to uh, remain seated, uh, we will respect that. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us access to his grace. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share the peace with each other. And before we share communion, we're going to sing the hymn, Just As I Am Without One Plea.